millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered. I wanted to ask whether someone may have an explanation to what I could have encountered. I was walking home from work yesterday after dusk, yet it was still somewhat light outside, as during these times in Denmark, the light persists for quite long and at three separate occasions encountered or heard something strange that I cannot fully comprehend or explain logically. The first one was a 50 centimeter tall guesstimate shadowy or dark bipedal figure running at high speed away from me, which I only saw in the corner of my eye, and did not pay much attention to. 300 meters further, I saw what at first appeared to be human in dark clothes, walking around 20-30 meters in front of me. But when I took a better look, it seemed like it was just legs up to around knee height. After I realized what I have seen and could not make any logical conclusion of it, it turned to the left and walked through a tree line, after which it seemed to have switched to four legs and disappeared by the time I walked where it had been standing previously. What's even weirder is the fact that there is nowhere to hide in that area, and I had clear vision of where it should have gone, and even checked where it went into the tree line. It vanished. 
At this point, I felt eerie and creeped out, as there usually are not many people walking around. But it happens, though they always stay fully visible and never disappear. The third time was almost at my house door, where I have heard rustling and movements in bushes, where cats usually hide, but they don't make such loud noises. The thing that I saw disappear into the tree line somewhat resembled a Fresno night crawler, but it had human legs and was dark, black, shadowy. This was in Copenhagen metropolitan area, if it helps anyhow. I paddled about 240 miles up a river in Canada a few years back. It gets to a point where you end up being completely alone in the wild with no civilization to be found anywhere. So we had a couple of interesting encounters. Both of the ones that really stick out happened at night. One of the first nights we're out there, I'm sleeping in my tent, comfy as can be. All of a sudden I feel a big snout poking my head through the tent and sniffing. I didn't know what it was and that it dawned on me. A black bear got curious and decided to sniff around the campsite, and he ended up sniffing my face for like three minutes. I didn't want to move because I didn't want to startle him, so I was just lying there as this bear sticks his nose in my face and starts huffing. I swear I almost shit myself. The second encounter had the potential to be scary, but I was too busy stifling laughter to really feel fear. One of the last nights we were out there, we decided to set up camp on a little beach. It seemed like a good spot, but after we set up camp, I'm walking around and I notice some moose tracks in the sand. We had set up camp on a little moose watering hole. No big deal. I'm sleeping in my tent and I hear heavy footprints outside. Sick, a moose. Cool beans. I slowly open my tent zipper, as quiet as possible so I wouldn't scare the thing. I'm super excited to see my first moose, except I didn't see the moose. At least not the whole thing. All I saw was this bull's giant dick dangling down maybe three feet in front of my face. I recently moved into a new home. Since moving here, I felt my entire bed vibrating low frequency, moderate amplitude, nothing like a phone vibration, more like driving five miles per hour over rumble strips on a highway, but silent three times now. My partner was over one night and woke me up to ask why the bed was vibrating because they felt it. I did too at that point and I was just like, I don't know, maybe the train that is about a mile away was just the right mass and speed to induce a resonance in the hill my home is on. But that's all I can come up with. Hasn't happened in a couple of months, but I keep waiting for it to happen so I can run outside to see if I can hear the train and confirm the hypothesis. I have checked seismograph records online and came up with nothing. The frequency and amplitude of the vibrations don't seem to correspond to anything so that train thing is all I've got. The floor isn't vibrating when this is occurring making it even more strange. There are no major roads and no construction for miles. No underground drainage here either since I'm in the county. I have an Ikea bed frame with the drawers under it, and no, there are no vibrating toys in them. Only clothing. Any ideas? This is an account of an incident that happened in 1974 when I was 15 years old living in the city of Puebla, Mexico with my family. 
On this day, my younger sister Janet, she was 14, her best friend, Shay also an American living in Puebla, and I were gathering in the afternoon so we could take a bus together to the city of Coyula to make clay for art class. While Janet and I were walking around the block to pick up Shay at her house, we saw an American man appearing to be in his mid to late thirties, walking in the opposite direction of us on the other side of the street. He was carrying a large duffel bag over his shoulder. Janet and I started speaking loudly in English, hoping we would get his attention, but to no avail. When we arrived at Shay's house, we insisted that she hurry for the possibility of catching up with that guy. By the time she was finally ready, we were sure we would have missed him, but instead he was in the same place where we saw him last. We already told Shay about this guy, and after seeing him now and walking in the same direction, we all spoke up loudly in English, hoping again to get his attention. This time it worked. From across the street, he yelled to us, Do you speak English? He crossed the street to the side we were on and told us he was looking for a specific address, taking out a piece of paper where the address was written and showing it to us. We did not recognize the street name. It was a long Aztec name beginning with a letter T. Since we were on Tehuacan Street, he thought the street we were on was the same street, but it was not. We decided to walk him to the house number on Tehuacan Street that he had on his paper. While walking to that address, each of us would think different things, especially lots of questions, and he would look at each of us and answer our thoughts out loud. He was reading our minds. For instance, I thought to myself, I wonder what his name is, and he would look at me and reply, Richard. Janet said she was wondering where he was from, and he turned to Janet and just said, Santa Barbara, California. Of course, I didn't know why he looked at Janet and said that, but I was catching on quickly to understand that he read our minds, as none of us said a word, and he just answered our thought questions while facing the person who had the thought. At one point, he looked directly at Shay and said that she shouldn't worry about James Shay's boyfriend and that he, James, wouldn't be jealous. Later, Shay said she was worried about what James might think about the situation of joining this attractive guy. We arrived at the house that had that number he had on his paper. It was in the direction of where we were going to catch the bus to Colula. Because he did not know any Spanish, we spoke with the maid who answered the door at that house. The maid said that this was not the house he was looking for, and the people who lived there were not the people Richard was looking for, and she closed the door. Richard continued addressing our thoughts, and after the door closed, I said out loud, Hey, we probably have a map at our house. It was an apartment and could find the address from there. As you might have gathered by now, we shay, Janet, and I abandoned the journey to Colula to make clay. Everyone agreed that this was a good idea, so we turned back and walked to our apartment. Once there, Richard, Shay, and Janet were joined at the dining room table by my sister, Louise, the eldest of us three. Our maid, Anna, met Richard, as did my mother, and Anna, and later my mother, pulled me aside and chased me for bringing a stranger to our home. When my mother confronted me, I replied that she wasn't living her Christian values, if she thought it was all right to put a person out who needed help, I sometimes was a sassy kid. It turned out we didn't have a map at our home, so I ran around the apartment building asking neighbors if they had one. No one did. I went to the ground floor beauty shop and asked the ladies in there, 
and no one had one, nor had they heard of the street. One beautician suggested we take a bus, and before getting on, ask the bus driver if they knew of the street, because she said bus drivers know the city and her streets best. All the time I was running around, Richard, both my sisters Louise and Janet Shea, and my mother were sitting around the round dining room table. I would stop by periodically to give them updates. During one of these updates, I noticed that Richard had poured out a bunch of salt from the salt shaker, and in front of him, he had formed a pyramid, complete with four flat sides and a pointed top. I remember looking at that and thinking it was odd, but was more focused on trying to find a map for Richard. Later, Anna commented to me that he was rude to make such a mess on the table with the salt. Since no one in the building had a map, we took the advice of going to a bus stop and asking a bus driver about the address. We went to the bus stop that was around the corner, on the street where Shay lived and where we first found Richard. That bus stop was across the street from a park that normally was crowded with people, but was totally empty when we got there. Richard, Shay, Janet, and I waited at that corner for the buses. Buses in a Mexican city are plentiful, and they would come by about every five minutes or so. When the buses arrived and stopped, I took the written address and asked the bus driver if they knew the street. Five buses went by in all. A couple of the bus drivers replied that if the spelling and the name were changed, they might know the street, while all the others said there was no such street. I had thought that I would continue with Richard to his destination as I have said before, he was attractive. In a little bit, you will see why this is significant. After the fifth bus left, we stood there quietly. Shay, Janet, and I were facing Richard and the empty park behind him, while Richard was facing the opposite way, with his back to the park. His duffel bag was on the ground next to him. We were all silent, and then suddenly, poof, in a split second, a large, old-time taxi-looking bomb of a car appeared right before our eyes. No engine sound, facing the wrong direction on a one-way street, and just behind Richard. We Shay, Janet, and I were totally flabbergasted, breathless, in total shock. The car appeared old, with a splotchy green paint job, light green, with faded areas here and there. Directly after it appeared a man who looked and sounded exactly like Alfred Hitchcock, seated in the driver's seat, and having his elbow out the open window resting his arm there said, Young man, are you looking for tea? Street? He said the exact name of the street that no one had heard of before. His voice was totally Alfred Hitchcock's voice, too. Immediately, Richard picked up his duffel bag, turned around and said, Yes, I am. At that, Alfred Hitchcock closed his hands together as in prayer, then opened them with a map opening between his hands. He said to Richard, This is where we are, and this is where we're going, pointing out the places on the map. Richard was leaning towards Alfred Hitchcock and getting this information, and they continued talking to each other. Shay leaned against the car to catch her breath, as we were all so blown away by the car and Alfred Hitchcock's appearance. Janet sharply told Shay to stop leaning on the car, because if it disappeared like it appeared, she would be flat on her back in the street. Shay stopped leaning. At about that point, Richard picked up his duffel bag, walked around the front of the car, threw his duffel bag in the car, and right before he got in the passenger seat, looked at me and asked, don't you want to come? I said an emphatic no. 
He said okay, got in the seat, and then the car, with no engine motor sounds, turned the corner towards Shay's house, and while it was turning Alfred Hitchcock said loudly to us, have a nice trip, see you in the funny papers. I had never before had heard the expression of, see you in the funny papers. As soon as the car straightened onto the street, the car with Alfred Hitchcock and Richard in it disappeared immediately, as quickly as it had first shown up. We Shay, Janet, and I were so freaked out that we all started running towards our home in a frantic state. But at one point we all stopped, gathered together, kind of hugging each other and feeling like deer in headlights. When we were together like that, we heard all around us, especially above us, Alfred Hitchcock's voice laughing and laughing. After a minute or two of that low, sinister laugh, it stopped, and we felt released and ran on. For the past almost 50 years, I have kept my eyes open to anything that might explain the incident. Janet and I have told the story through the years we have not been in touch with Shay, so I don't know if she has spoken of it since we all left Mexico. I've asked many people what they thought, and only once when I went to a seance that a friend had organized. Did the medium tell me it was an alien abduction when I explained the experience to her after she did a reading of the group? That never felt right to me, but I don't know. In 2008, I ran across a Reuters article on the torture of sleep deprivation that shamed our country in Gitmo with terrorist prisoners. I was teaching Introduction to Psychology and a course called The Psychology of Dreams at our nearby university. So I read much about sleep, dreams, and the effect sleep deprivation has on the psyche. The article was about the sleep deprivation of Bin Laden's driver, Salem Hamden. The article described how Hamden was tortured by being deprived of sleep for 50 days. I read on and was blown away when I read two paragraphs in that article that stood out for me. The first read, they also said the records indicated Hamden and other prisoners at the remote detention camp in southeastern Cuba were visited by someone called Alfred Hitchcock, apparently over the British master of psychological thriller films who died in 1980. Later in the article under the heading, Who was Alfred Hitchcock? It read, Defense lawyers said they were curious about the meaning of entries in the documents that Alfred Hitchcock had visited Hamden and other prisoners. Who Alfred Hitchcock is, I have no idea, said Navy Lieutenant Commander Brian Miser, a defense lawyer. It's obviously a code name for something. I have not found any further strange information about Alfred Hitchcock, but the incident that happened to us happened in 1974, and Alfred Hitchcock was alive at that time. I don't think I ever thought it was the real Alfred Hitchcock, nor a ghost of one, but a duplicate in some strange way. This entire incident was experienced by my sister, Janet, her friend, Shay, and me, while several other witnesses were a part of the experience at certain points. My older sister, Louise, my mother, and our maid, Anna, met Richard and witnessed some of his strange behaviors reading minds and making a pyramid out of salt. I would just like to know if anyone out there has any idea what it may have been about. I had most of my out-of-science experiences there in Puebla, and I have always wondered if it is a place where magical types of things happen. Even when I go back to visit my older sister, nephew, and his family, I have strange things happen, so I don't think it was a thing of youth, but rather of place. That is interesting to me. I am a licensed professional counselor LPCS and educator in Texas, 
with three master's degrees. My sister Janet is a veterinarian and a paramedic here in Texas, and my sister Louise has a PhD and teaches at a university in Mexico. I think we could be considered credible. About 10-12 years ago, I remember going fishing with a friend around my family's property in rural South Dakota. I was 14 or 15 at the time and had my learner's permit we can drive earlier in SD, so I took our small farm truck down to our creek with my friend. I grew up on a farm and the creek we let our cattle drink from was often full of fish. While fishing, a neighbor of mine drove by and said hi. We had some normal fishing small talk and he asked if we would like to try fishing his creek on his property. We hadn't had much luck, so my friend and I said we would give it a shot. We followed him to his creek, and he told us we could keep whatever we caught if we wanted. He noticed we also had a 17 HMR rifle with us. We always have one in our truck in case we had predators around livestock and such. He mentioned he had some badgers digging holes around his stock. Damn, and if we saw one, he would be all right. If we got rid of it so his cattle didn't injure a leg walking to the water. We packed up our stuff and walked down the short dirt road to the creek. The creek was to the east of us and ran in the north or south direction. On the south side of the road, there was a hill formed from dirt when the stock dam was dug out for his cattle. And the creek ran into the dam on the other side. We went to the mouth of the dam where the creek led in and fished for a while, noticing it was eerily quiet. Normally, there would be a lot of noise on a night like this. No wind in South Dakota means you will be nearing all sorts of bugs, frogs, etc. But there was absolutely nothing. We thought that was strange, but fishes anyway. We were catching a lot of decent-sized fish. My friend was planning to stay at my house for a couple days, so we decided we would keep a few to fry up the next day for lunch. To do this, we needed our net and stronger to keep the fish. Since it was a short walk, we left our poles where they were. There were no fish big enough to pull them in and walked back to the truck quick. On the way back, we heard some trashing on the opposite side of the hill mentioned earlier. This was odd because we were just on that side while fishing. When we reached the opposite end, we looked to see if a badger had been there like my neighbor mentioned. There was nothing, but we could see where something had knocked down some cattails and other straw-type grass. What was weird was that way more seemed to be knocked down than what a badger could do and none had been knocked down while we were on the other side just minutes earlier. Either way, we continued back to get our net and stringer. This time on our way back, keep in mind the road from truck to fishing spot is probably 100 feet if that, we heard what sounded like a huge bird flapping around in the same spot as the thrashing. The only large birds we have in that area are vultures, hawks, eagles, and owls. I've seen and heard all of these birds up close before. This sounded much larger and the flapping was way more sporadic and quick than any of those birds move their wings. It was very eerie and we started to get a little scared. We decided to hustle back to where we were fishing to try and see what it was. When we got there, however, again there was nothing. We looked at each other and mentioned how weird it was and joked that it freaked us out a little. Then we noticed something had moved out fishing poles. The two poles had swapped places. At first I thought my head was playing tricks, 
until we saw our lawn chairs. This confirmed something switched the poles because they were sitting near the foot of the opposite chairs now. This really started freaking us out, so we decided to start packing up and leave. As we were packing up, we started to hear a noise coming from the second dirt hill on the opposite side of the pond. Most ponds are dug such that there are two dirt hills on either side. There were cattails and reeds leading around the water to the other hill where the creek exited the stock dam. Now we could hear footsteps coming from the other side of the hill. We thought maybe it was my neighbor, but then we heard a combination of noises that scared the absolute hell from us. We heard the thrashing from before coupled with the flapping and a new noise. This was like a growling or snarling noise which made no sense. I have heard coyotes, foxes, badgers, opossums, and all other manner of animal I grew up with growl or snarl at some point. This sounded like none, and the footsteps were large and heavy, like a bipedal animal, not soft and swift like a coyote. By now we were absolutely terrified. I grabbed the gun and we sprinted back to the truck. It was getting dark at this point. I told my friend to drive since I had the gun. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered. We got in, he turned the headlights on, and we could see the splashing coming from the stock dam from where the truck was parked. We wanted to try and get a better look at what was splashing around, but were too scared. My friend backed us into the road, and we sped home with me, clutching the gun the whole way. We never told anyone what happened and have only mentioned it to each other once to this day. Does anyone have any clue what it could have been? To this day, I still get eerie when driving around the back roads near home. Edit. So someone has asked about my grandpa's UFO story, so I will share that as well. It's nothing spectacular as far as UFOs go but still interesting in my eyes. I was very, very young when this happened. My mother had been divorced for just a couple years and had been working a lot. After she divorced, she moved us back home with my grandparents. 
She saved up some money and decided to take my siblings and I on a little family outing for a few days to the Black Hills of South Dakota. I want to say this was around the 4th of July, but I am not going to say I know that for sure. While gone, my grandfather, grandmother deceased, and dogged girl but deceased, were sitting on our porch around 9 at night. Our deck on the house faced the west and they were looking outward. I would like to add that there was zero visual obstruction as they were facing a field with zero trees in sight. Our dog began barking and growling. It was not totally out of character, as she did this to predators that would venture close to the livestock or poultry. What was strange is my grandparents could not see anything around. As if from nowhere, they saw the UFO materialize almost instantaneously in the sky over our pasture. Our dog continued barking and my grandparents stood awestruck. My grandfather described the UFO as four large lights arranged in a vertical fashion with four smaller lights, orbiting it in a figure-eight sort of pattern. He said it seemed relatively close to the ground, but it never made any noise and there was never any dust lifted from the ground from a propulsion source. This was before camera phones were popular, and so my grandfather ran inside to get our camcorder. When he returned, it disappeared. My grandfather said that my grandmother saw it dart off into the night sky. My grandparents were completely flabbergasted by what happened. Having no idea what they had just seen, the consulted books our family actually had a very large assortment of books to avail through that they turned to the internet. I can't imagine trying to research something like this. I'm on dial-up in the late 90s but nonetheless they found similar images with UFO headlines. My grandparents were very religious and never entertained the idea of something like this until they saw one probably part of the reason my grandfather was so apprehensive about sharing with others. He would not believe it himself had he been told. After this, they were very open to the idea of the paranormal and still maintained their faith. They just accepted that there were things they could explain through their religion and accepted that. They actually would watch a lot of programs on TV about paranormal stuff, which got me interested early on. I would also like to add, my grandfather is a very credible man. He served as a U.S. Army Ranger in Vietnam and worked on a lot of covert operations. He was relatively high up towards the end of his active duty career. We have several photos of him in the Pentagon some talking with who I believe was the Secretary of Defense at the time. Not 100% sure, but I know was a high-ranking official. At this time, my grandfather was still actively working with the recruiting office at our local National Guard base. He had a very good idea of aircraft capabilities of most types of aircraft from when he served, all the way to the time he saw the UFO. He has seen, shot out of, and been shot at by all manner of aerial weaponry. Nothing he has seen had maneuvering capabilities like what he saw, or the ability to stay silent while maintaining low-level flight, and cause no ground disturbance from the propulsion system. He also claimed that had something been flying the craft, it would have to have been very small. A humanoid creature would have to be roughly the size of a child to adequately move in the craft. I've never seen a UFO, and I guess I've never technically outright seen a humanoid being, but I have had a strange encounter that is unexplainable by conventional means, and I believe my grandfather did as well, albeit a different type of encounter.
I live in a small wood cabin on a farm in the countryside of Catalonia, Spain. Usually shared with one other person, I had a few weeks alone. Never lock the door. Hot weather means bedroom window is open, although wooden shutters are closed with thin gaps to outside. Pitch black surroundings. I had one of those nights where it's hard to sleep. Around 4 a.m., I hear screaming in the distance. There are around five typically sized fields between cabin and the village. I'll hoe this as far. I assume it's someone in the village messing around. Goes quiet. Starts again. This time it's clear that the person is screaming something. Although not a native to the area, I know this isn't language, it's gibberish. He is screaming words that completely don't make sense, and that I've found it impossible to imitate since, and he's screaming them angrily. I'm on edge now, but I tell myself it's a drunk person on their way home in the night. Half an hour later I've calmed down and it's been quiet for quite a while. Then I hear the voice again. This time, there is no screaming. I can hear them speaking the gibberish at a normal level. This means that they are within the property. I freeze too frightened to go lock my front door. The front door area has a lot of windows, and I'm afraid to see them, them to see me, and instead stare at my bedroom door, with a plan to barricade should I hear someone entering the cabin. The muttering fades away just as the sun begins to rise. I lock my door now. Back in 27 on the USS Kitty Hawk, we had a shipmates throwing chem lights over the side of ship randomly. The skipper required every sponson to be manned at night. I had a balls to four watch. I didn't see a chem light, but I happened to see a bright blue light coming from underneath the surface about 100 meters away. From the hull of the ship, it looked like it was 30 meters in diameter. It disappeared instantly. About five minutes later, it came back moving slowly towards the ship. A bunch others saw it this time and called it in to the OOD officer of the deck. It then moved away from the ship underwater at an insane speed. I still to this day believe it was a USO, unidentified submerged object. I'm 52 and have lived in the US. Now for 12 years. Forgive me if my English isn't the best. It's not my first language. I lived in Puerto Rico most of my life and even served as law enforcement there for about eight years. I know what I saw, so here it goes. I remember it being a Sunday night, a couple of days before the arrival of Hurricane Maria to the island. I was patrolling my tour alone. Everybody else was sent home early. And due to the approaching hurricane conditions, the weather that night wasn't anything special and just very cloudy with some rain. I had heard on multiple occasions about chupacabra sightings in Puerto Rico, especially around the rainforest, which is right where I was during that time. One elderly neighbor lady said she had actually encountered one when she stayed late at work one night, apparently running out of gas. She claimed it looked like a small person with spikes on its back, red glowing eyes and large fangs. She said it chased after her, and she had to get into her car and try to get away, even though she just barely had enough gas to do it. Just a fair warning, what I'm about to describe isn't pleasant, so be warned. It was around 1.30 a.m., and I had just passed a local river when a thing walked right by the road. It actually popped its head up. 
It didn't even try to hide or anything. At first glance, I didn't know what it was, and I thought maybe it was a small animal. But as soon as it fully turned and looked into my headlights and hissed, you could see what it was. Chupacabra. Very skinny, spines on its back, large red eyes, very pale skin, and sharp teeth and fangs. It was the red eyes, though, that ultimately gave it away before I saw the rest of its body. Those eyes are so bright, they could pierce the darkness of the night, even through my headlights. This might sound silly to you, but at that point I froze and felt something was wrong, especially when it hissed at me like some kind of rabid wild animal. Also, it's important to know that most Puerto Rican people are very religious. So if somebody is walking around out there and they see this thing, chances are they're going to think it's a demon or something from the realm of hell. There was no doubt about it in my mind that night that what I was seeing was a chupacabra. It disappeared soon after. This has been one of the most frightening experiences I've ever had on the job, and I've never seen or heard of such a thing here on American soil. Thank you for taking the time to read. Good morning as I sit reading this article. It amazes me that no one caught one of these things yet. I understand that if something with a 25-30 feet wingspan flies past you, you're not going to grab your camera as a first instinct. My son and I saw this thing in the summer of 2010 in Mertztown, Pennsylvania. We were parked on the side of the road in a heavily wooded area when this thing casually glided up the road. It looked big enough to carry a full-grown man away with no effort. When the winged thing flew over the hood of my car, we instantly ducked down. This thing had a round human-sized head with no beak and huge bat-like wings. Now I would never tell this story if it wasn't for my 16-year-old son sitting in the back seat who also witnessed it on that summer day. I'm a pretty capable guy, not too many things can shake me, but this thing scared me. Here is what I saw. The body was 5-6 feet in length accessible, the wingspan was 25-30 feet easy, no feathers, bat-like skin, jet black, and a 4-5 feet skinny rat or dragon-like tail that stuck straight out. This thing didn't fly like a bird, it glided about 10 feet off the ground at a plodding speed. After 50-75 feet of gliding, it took one huge flap of the wings, never changing elevation, and glided up the road till it disappeared into the woods. I'm convinced this thing lives underground, probably near some sort of hot spring because it has no feathers. Well, that's my story. Feel free to reply with any questions. That 45-second event will forever be etched into memory. I say we find it and catch it. I would love to see it again up close. So this is something that I'm still experiencing to this day, like literally as I'm typing this. I'm just gonna start at the beginning. I live in a rural area surrounded by woods and that's about it. A few years after moving here, me and my father started hearing things in the woods at night. It started off just sounding like an animal until we both heard what sounded like a little girl saying hello. When looking around with my father, no one was found. This continued for years, but never to this extent. A few months ago, I was walking home from taking up the trash. It was around 9 p.m. and dark. As I walked, I could hear something following me in the woods next to me. 
I assumed it was just a squirrel or something until I heard laughing directly in my ear, loud. I was unable to run due to a mild leg injury at the time, so I just called my mom as I walked home. Nothing else happened that night. After that, our dogs would start barking like crazy every night at around that same time. Then, starting a few months ago, this thing started trying to imitate our dogs. We always let the dogs in at 7 p.m., and around 9 p.m. the barking would start. The barking in question, though, is very obvious, not natural. It is almost human-like and follows a strict pattern. Bark one second, bark, bark three seconds, and repeats for about 30 minutes before stopping. Once stopping, there will be taps and scratching on my window for a few minutes before everything stops completely and returns to normal. No one else in my house really cares as much as I do, and I know I'm probably overreacting. There is probably a decent explanation to this, but for now, I'm going to assume it's some sort of skinwalker or crawler. I'm an ecologist, used to work as an environmental monitor for some pretty remote mining operations here in Australia. Long back country driving, taking water samples upstream and downstream of the mine. That sort of thing. Most field days you're looking at about a 12-14 hour day, and you're unlikely to see another human being the entire time. During the shorter daylight months, I'd often be starting and finishing work in the dark. About a month into the job, I noticed when driving down the roads through the scrub after sunset, there were all these little glimmering reflections on the road and in the grass. As if there were lots of little specks of broken glass reflecting back my vehicle spotlights. After seeing this every evening for a couple of months, I decided to find out what it was, got out of the truck, walked over to one and realized it was the reflecting eyes of a spider coming out begin their night's hunt. I must have passed millions of them before finding out what they were. One night, a few years ago, my aunt and I were driving down a familiar road we had traveled countless times before. It was a typical evening, nothing out of the ordinary, until something caught my attention. Out of the corner of my eye, I glimpsed a fleeting figure darting across the road and disappearing into the woods. I couldn't shake off the strangeness of what I had just witnessed. The creature I saw was unlike anything I had encountered before. It was smaller in size, hunched over, with a grayish complexion and sparse hair. The way it moved reminded me of a chimpanzee or some kind of primate. Instantly, I knew it wasn't a raccoon or any other familiar animal that I was accustomed to seeing in the area. Living on the East Coast, I was accustomed to the local wildlife and had seen my fair share of creatures in the region. However, this sighting was completely out of the ordinary. The image of that peculiar creature lingered in my mind, and I couldn't help but wonder what it could have been. I immediately shared my observation with my aunt, expressing my bewilderment at the sight we had just witnessed. She too was taken aback by the strangeness of the encounter. It was clear that this was no ordinary animal crossing our path that night. In the years that followed, I kept an eye out during my travels, hoping to catch another glimpse of that mysterious creature. However, it seemed that the sighting was a singular event, a fleeting encounter with an enigmatic being. Despite my curiosity, I never came across anything similar again. 
To this day, the memory of that night remains etched in my mind. I often find myself pondering the nature of the creature I saw and the mystery surrounding its existence. Was it a rare and elusive species that had managed to remain hidden from human eyes? Or perhaps it was a creature from folklore, venturing into our world for a brief moment. While I may never know the true identity of the creature I encountered that night, the experience has left me with a sense of wonder and an appreciation for the unknown. It serves as a reminder that there are still mysteries waiting to be unraveled, even in the familiar landscapes we think we know so well. So as I continue my journeys and explore the world around me, I keep my senses sharp, ready to embrace the unexpected and embrace the possibility of encountering something extraordinary. Who knows what other secrets the night may hold, just beyond the reach of our ordinary perceptions. I'm very late to this post, but I thought I'd share anyways. I am in the Navy, and at the time of this anecdote, I was part of a security detachment for a freighter off the coast of Iran. It was a few hours into my watch, probably around one on a gun mount, when a small fishing vessel near the horizon starts beaming our ship with a high-powered laser pointer. This is actually a pretty common occurrence in the area, but I reported to my superior to make sure they were aware. About two or three minutes later, I look back over to where the vessel was to check on it, and it's gone. It was the middle of the night in the ocean, but my naked eyes should have picked up the boat with relative ease. I put on my night vision goggles and scanned the same area forward of the ship. Nothing. Literally nothing. No vessel, no stars, no horizon, just nothing. I felt like I was tired, perhaps my night watch was getting to my head. I took off the goggles and did some jumping jacks and push-ups for a few minutes and took another look. That's when I saw it, an impending wall of gray. No start, no beginning, just gray. Fog. Heavy, thick fog thicker than any fog I've ever seen. Within moments every metal surface was coated in mist. I could not see more than twenty or so feet in any direction. It was eerie, the civilians piloting the ship didn't use any horns or anything. We just sailed through the dense cloud. I couldn't even see the water. My only perception of speed was the thick mist moving past me. Luckily, nothing happened. But when you are standing in armed watch on a big freighter near Iran, in waters that have had reports of pirates, then your most important sense is taken away from you. I couldn't help but imagine what could happen as we moved through that dense fog for what seemed like 20 minutes. A friend of mine and I have been experiencing strange things as of late the past week or so. My first potential encounter with this thing happened seven years ago, but in the past week my friend and I have experienced some terrifying phenomena, climaxing at what he saw earlier today. The story is pretty long, so I'll hurry this up. It starts around seven years ago. I was camping with my family in northern Michigan. The campsite was near a large lake, so we went swimming often. I looked across the lake and saw a large white figure moving on the other side. It was around eight feet tall, had no fur, walked upright, and had no visible facial features. The moment I saw it, it ran into the woods. This was my first encounter. The story picks up around a week ago when my friend was in his house home alone with his dog. It was around 11 p.m. 
He was in his bedroom when he heard his mother's voice speaking to his recently deceased dog. His other living dog appeared to hear the voice as well. His mother was at work, so it could not have been her, and the dog to whom the voice was referring had died around four weeks beforehand. After this comes my second experience. I was reading in my room when my mother's voice called for me to come to the living room. The sound was accompanied by what sounded like someone walking in my living room. The only people home at the time were me and my brothers who were asleep in their room, so I panicked and locked my door. Nothing happened for the rest of the night. The next day, my mother came into my room, asking me what I wanted. I was confused as I did not call her name. After I explained this, she appeared shocked, nearly certain that my voice had come from my bedroom. And finally, earlier today, my friend was walking his dog when he heard a rustling noise in a nearby sewer. Thinking that it was a raccoon, he walked over and looked into the drain. What was staring back up at him was a creature that he described as completely white, bald, thin, humanoid, and had no facial features, no eyes, anything. It looked around nine feet tall, but it was hard to tell due to its crouched position. After a few seconds, the creature dashed away into the sewer at an incredibly high speed. My friend then immediately called me and explained the situation, which led us to write this post. We would like to know if we are in any danger from this creature, and if so, how to protect ourselves from it, as well as what this creature may be.